What's going on, everybody? It is Friday, July 31st, last day of the month, and you have found the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I am your host, Southside Zoe, aka Father Zoe, aka Patiently Waiting. I'm Nick Madrigal, and with me, as always, Mr. Aldo Soto. I just want to say that it's great having a rookie second baseman getting the job done, getting at that, you know, just, uh, I'm not going to take that for granted. Oh, who's And Mr. K Fitz, Kevin Fiddler, what's up, buddy? Uh, my God, Aldo, that is a um, a troll job and a half. That's fantastic. I was just going to say, I was going to talk about Nico Horner. I'm excited about Nico because we, we have so many <laughs> nicknames. Frico for Nico, Nico's are Frico. Yeah, I think, Aldo, you got... Um, horny for Horner. Horny for Horner. That's a, that, that one's going. I think my grandma uh, posted that one. Oh, <laughs> wait, she's dead. Never um, so be an interesting tweet then. Uh, so we're what six games deep into the season now um sock so season over there is some talking points uh no sock season <laughs> not over oh, if they would have lost on, on if they would have lost wednesday. on wednesday sock season over but sock <laughs> season not over. not over um so we're gonna talk about that we're gonna talk about i mean Everybody knows the storylines out there. We got White Sox. We got Cubs. It's regular season baseball. Is this magical you got, you got on your screen? God, I should be playing second base. So let's tap this keg. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Ganty, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the board, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. This is what you waiting for. You can put it on the board. As always, this game is or this game. This podcast is brought to you by Sports Mockery, SportsMockery.com. Make sure you go and download the app, turn on push notifications so you'll know exactly when. Nick Magical gets called called up. Sportsmockery, sportsmockery.com. Download the app. So the White Sox season's not over. And according to Lucas Giolito, that was a must-win game on Wednesday. But according to Ricky, it wasn't. And technically, Ricky's right. Because, I mean, if they lost, their season wasn't over. But but at the same time, if they lost. Whoo, no. Two and four looks a lot better than one and five. Put it that way. All right. So rough go against the Indians. I still don't sweat the Indians. Um, lost both games in doubleheader. Uh, and then Lucas Giolito bounced back and threw a gem on Wednesday night. So we got some things to discuss. First and foremost, though, before we get started, I need to do something. I have to do it. Hopefully people are tuning in now. I need to do this. I need. This is the first time this has ever happened on this show. This is the first time. I need to publicly apologize. I'm going to publicly apologize to Nikki Delmonico. 
My anger wow. was misguided. I fired off roughly about 10 to 15 tweets <laughs> talking a lot of shit. And it was misguided anger. As my guy, Menus, you should definitely be following him on Twitter, at Liam Menus, pointed out to me, I'm not mad at him. I'm mad at Ricky, just like in that movie. You're not mad at me. You're mad at your dad. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the guy that's batting you forth. I'm mad at the guy that's keep trotting you out to right field. I just don't get it. Nikki, you were struggling. You're struggling, bud. You're struggling. But you should be batting ninth if you're playing at all. But you should, actually, you shouldn't be playing. But I apologize. I feel way better saying that now. Nikki's struggling. Two for 16, batting 125, having some issues hitting the cutoff, man. Basically struggling. And in no way, shape, or form should be batting cleanup for a team that people think should be contending. There is in no universe is Nicky Del Monaco <laughs> the cleanup man for a contending team in Major League Baseball. So I apologize. Those tweets were misguided. I just don't know what Ricky – Ricky's putting out the same lineup that he did last year. He's just doing it again. And what's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So how, that, do you, how much of that do you actually attribute though to the front office telling him, I mean, again, that, the analytics and whatnot, is he, is he putting together a lineup or are they putting together a lineup? From what we've been told, Ricky puts together his own lineups, but that's what we're getting fed. Mm-hmm. I'm not there every day. I don't know who's saying what, who's doing what, how much he actually has input on this. And I don't really want to just sit here and speculate because none of us know. Nobody knows unless you're literally there. But on Wednesday, when they put a stop to the losing streak, again, I mean, 95% of it was Lucas Giolito pitching lights out, which I want to talk about in a minute. But another part of it was Adam Ingle was in the outfield. He was in right field. And then you had Eloy back and left. But Ingle and Delmonico are basically – a push when it comes to the plate. Ingles obviously hitting better right now. He's batting what four fifty five, but that's I mean he went five for eleven. Eleven. So he's obviously hitting well, and he's but when it comes to the defense, I mean that's night and day. Ingles faster, better routes on balls, and he hits the cutoff man. You know little league shit, but he does it. So. I think Wednesday's lineup was good. Um, But that brings us to the first talking point is the hot start of Luis Robert. All right. So through 23 at-bats, Luis Robert's got eight hits, batting 348, best on the team. He's gotten a hit in every Major League Baseball game he's played in his life, six games. Um But he looks good, and out of everything, out of everything he's done, the thing that impressed me the most was the base hit up the middle in the ninth inning against Cleveland on Wednesday. Because you fear with a guy like this that hits – his average exit velo is like 106 right now. It's ridiculous. So he goes up to the plate, and all honesty, second and third, they were up by, I think, a run or two at that point, two runs at that point. And – yeah, I was thinking to myself, all right, this kid's going to just – he's going to swing hard, 
and you know whatever very nice at bat took a couple loan away sliders because they try to feed him right away didn't swing hard didn't swing out of his shoes and took a ball right back up the middle it was beautiful and coming from a rookie that was a professional at bat and that made me feel really good but that's feeling of good quickly subsided to why is he still batting seventh? And we saw that the the day before too, and I think it was either game one or two of the doubleheader where, you know, uh, Cleveland was like mowing down the entire lineup. Uh, and then I think he was down two strikes or maybe one, two takes breaking ball in the outside corner. He did the same thing. Didn't try to do too much, just rolled it into right field. And that's mm-hmm. the sign of, of a mature hitter right there where he's now doing the – it's not a week-to-week, game-to-game, or, you know, rookies, it can be month-to-month adjustments. For him, it really does seem like it's pitch-to-pitch. He can recognize what is happening, and he's adjusting very, very fast. Yep, because the early early read on him was just hit him with the low-and-away break and stuff. It was the same as – yeah, it was Eloy. It was like the same way that they attack Eloy, they were going to attack him, is he can adjust right away and – Yes. Yes. And he's covering all fields in the out. The defense isn't a problem. And you can see it happened twice in the Cleveland series where a ball was hit out to him. He picked it up and the runner stopped at third. And on the second one, Stoney was even like, well, I guess the book's out on him. Don't run on him. And he hasn't even thrown. (laughs) He's like done like a couple like half-hearted throws, but he hasn't had like a play at the plate throw yet. But they're not running on him, which – to get that respect as a rookie, whoo, okay. So, I mean, you can't – if there's, like, the 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 brightest point of a two-and-four start has been Luis Robert has lived up to expectations, in my opinion. I, I can't say I could expect more from him. Um, yeah, he's even stole the base. I was like, I was going to say maybe he starts stealing more base. He's even stolen the base. I mean. You know what to expect. You know, he's a rookie, and you, and you take the good right. with the bad, and he's going to have those two steps forward, one step back kind of moments. But that's kind of the fun part about watching a kid like that grow because he's freak. He's a freak. And freaks, oh, yeah. freaks do things at a different level. I actually firmly believe that time slows down for them. Like 24 hours for like a guy like Michael Jordan or like a Lou Bob free gas. I think that 24 hours for them is a completely different time span because mm-hmm. we see time. And they're just elite like that. And he's going to do some stuff. He'll make you drive. He'll drive you nuts a few times this year, but yeah, this is fun to watch. Like I, I liked watching it. I, I mean, I'm watching white Sox games now because I accidentally bought MLB ticket or MLB TV. Whoops. Gotcha. <laughs> yep. Got me. And uh, I, I, I enjoy watching. I like his at bats are fun to watch. Like he, he does, he has those little flaws, but he does a really good job of, of adjusting. And that's right. what, what you want to see. And I mean his nine to one strikeout to walk ratio, that tells that's your first six games as a major leader. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. you gotta fail to succeed. Right. And the key is, like Aldo said, is the adjustments. And we saw that again, ninth inning clutch hit against Cleveland to basically seal the game. And so that's the good. Uh it's obviously not all good if you're two and four, but the well, we'll see on the the position players. So, Aloy got hurt. He came back, so that's fine. Good with Aloy right now. He's just being Aloy. I want to talk about. Yeah, he's got it. But at least he made fun of himself. 
he made that comment. He said, I fought the wall twice and I'm losing two to nothing. Okay. Yeah. I'll ask you this. How many more times? And it's like, stop. Like, this isn't funny. It's gotta be now. It's gotta be like one more time. It's like, stop. Yeah. I mean, this time it was like, ha ha. He ran into the wall again. Like, Oh, Eloy. But I guess the positive was this time he didn't actually, he didn't go on the injured list. I mean, he missed two games. So I'm, Bad, but it wasn't like last year when you missed like weeks and weeks and weeks. Maybe he he's of, just testing the fence for vulnerabilities like a velociraptor did in Jurassic Park. And he's just trying to hit every part of the wall. Sooner or later, he's going to find one and knock the whole wall down. Yeah, he might. For himself again. Or, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like, what's his name from Major League Two, though? It's our three. It's two, two, two. The guy that get that literally goes through the wall and then punches through it after he knocks the wall down. <sighs> you have no marbles. Um, yeah, I mean, he's doing his thing. TA's doing all right. He's batting right under 300 in that leadoff spot. I like, I really like that he's going another way with balls. Um, you know, and he's definitely taking extra bases. His fielding's been okay. I mean, we saw there was one error, but all right. Lurie Garcia, as much as it pains me to say it because I want my guy here, he's been hitting the ball well. Um, Yoan Mankata is going to be Yoan Mankata. He's just playing lights out. But let's talk about some of the the elder statesmen, if you will, in this lineup. Uh, I'm going to start with Jose Abreu because he's catching a lot of shit on the White Sox Twitter streets right now, and Ken NW and Ken WO is fighting him off, but. In, I side with Ken. I mean, I think Jose Abreu has earned a little slack from us. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine. Maybe does he have to bat fourth? No. I don't know why that's set in stone, but he's flashing leather. He's playing. He's being Jose Abreu. I think this is just a slow start. Still has three RBIs, you know, two doubles. It's Jose Abreu, man. He's going to be fine. I don't think that I'm not too worried about that. Jose Abreu, no walks. No, no walks. No. Not, not never. White Sox. Um, <laughs> but, 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 I mean, we talked about last episode when uh, it was a student Mizo. You can't keep having Luis Rivera bat seventh. You can't have Luis yeah. batting sixth. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are your best hitters. I get protecting your rookie. Like, I get that out of the gate. But out of the gate now through two series – He's the best hitter on your team. I I said this. I said this. Uh, what was it? Wednesday. Mm-hmm. He needs to be. And so. Uh, no, I was gonna say, Luis Robert is. This, he's coming up in the same category as when Chris Bryant came up. Mm-hmm. Thinking back to 2015, imagine if for like half the year, Rick Renteria was like, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant needs to develop. You know, he needs some protection. We're gonna bet him seventh all year long. For like half the year, and we'll reevaluate after that. Like, what? Right. Luis Ramirez, he's a star already now. We he's know it. He's shown us. He doesn't need any protection. No. He, if he struggles, fine. Fine. That's fine. You'd rather have him struggle getting at least one more at bat every game than, you yes. know, having half the at bats because he's batting seventh in a. In a lineup that has like two guys that shouldn't be in the majors. Yeah, but you also take into consideration the fact that he's a rookie. You want to bury a guy no, deeper in the no, lineup. Kevin, no, I don't he's know. A star. I'm not... he's a star. Stop stars. <laughs> no. Kevin, come on. To put your shit. 
imagine this is Chris Bryant. I know. Are I'm a guy that wrote a lineup. Hey, although Bryant, I have like written that. many lineups with Chris Bryant batting sixth and seventh in that lineup when Terrible. he was a freshman in high school. Why? Exactly. You bury the kid and let him go and just get his feet wet. You get some straight balls. You get. We're not talking about high school, Kevin. I know, but we're talking about development of players, and that is the same thing. And that's why Nico Horner is batting seventh and eighth. Well, also, not the caliber of hitter of Nico of. Luis Rivera, what are you talking about? He's not their best hitter. Why would you optimize your not, someone that's not your Second best hitter right now? So Who's wait, well, then, then, if you're like, taking the season, one at a time, one at a time. the season, you you bat them early. That's fine. But if you want to win, you don't put a rookie right there like that in that kind of situation and you, and expect results. I mean, what is he hitting right now? Like three forty-eight. He's hitting three fifty, right? Why would you change anything if it's working right now and make a kid that's uncomfortable in a weird season? Less comfortable. Why would you take away that comfort? Why would you do it? Broke I think you got to at least try it. He'll eventually move up there slowly but surely, but it's we're five games in. I mean, you just said they're trying to win. You're trying to win. You're trying to get your best hitters the most at bats. Yeah, but he's not their best hitter. Unfortunately, though. Your best, who, okay, no, I just want to know, Kevin, who is a better hitter than uh, Luis Roberto right now besides Juan Mancada? I know that they're over the course of time. You're, you see, you're looking at a small sample size, and I'm talking about like over the course of a 16 no, no, season. I'm, what is the projection of Luis Robert, what he has shown, not just in the majors, just throughout since he became a professional baseball player, what he has projected to been to have to be, what he has shown already in camp, what everyone says about him, what his mm-hmm. teammates see. Sure. Who is better? Who's a better op? Why would why would guys like Zach Collins the other day was batting fifth? Nicky Delmonico is batting fourth. Uh, okay, fine. Jose Abreu, track record. Okay. He has a longer leash. I get it. Well, so like, well first I'll preface it with this. How'd that work out for Tim Anderson last year when they started him at seventh and let him earn his way up to the top? What did he do last year? After uh, the whole season when he started hitting seventh, he was, right? He was great. Imagine how much started more the offense no. could have worked if he started. There's your results-based analysis. Incorrect. I disagree. See, I believe that he did well because he was in the seventh spot. And as he slowly got acclimated to the job and the business, as he improved, then they slowly start moving him up. And then at that point, he was ready. But you didn't do it in game five. You did it in game, in that case, in that season. And where did they move him up? Like 30 games in the season, maybe 40 games in the season, roughly. You do that with the same thing. And I can tell you right now, I'd rather have a veteran up there in a, in a spot getting getting looks than a rookie that can't lay off some of the pitches. He's beatable. He's not getting beat right now because people let up when they get deeper in the lineup. He's in a favorable position to see more straight balls than off speed. And he's going to, he, he, he doesn't have to be the guy yet. And then when he's ready to be the guy, or at least when they've let him at least seen enough, and maybe they'll see enough after five, 10 games, but you don't just throw a kid and say, ah, right, he's killing it. He's hitting three fifty after five games. Let's, let's, let's reinvent the wheel. You don't change it until it shows that it's a consistent pattern over a course of time. And, and honestly, five games is not enough, big enough sample size to say, Hey, rookie, You've been killing it in the seven hole. We're going to move you to one or two or three. We're going to, it's, it's, it just, I don't, I don't believe that that works that way. But that, I mean, again, I'm, it's, it's every, that's what everybody has their philosophy. And I know fans yeah. are clamoring because you want to see him and you want to see what he has. But at the same time, you don't want to ruin his, what happens if he goes in and hits second and he sucks and all of a sudden his psyche is destroyed and this invulnerability feeling that he has is gone. And you can't get that back. So once I you lose that. the edge, it's gone. I get that. And on the other side, though, what if he goes and bats leadoff and kills it? Well, you know what I mean. Like, is that the risk you're willing to take? His psyche being fractured permanently. Are you willing to lose the invulnerability feeling for that yeah, risk? Is it worth the gamble yet? 
He's going to have to move. He's been playing professional baseball since he was 15. He's 22. Well, I mean, he'll move up, but he's, this is his first time facing Major League Pitching. There's a giant jump from AAA to Major League Baseball. I understand. I just I just want to get this straight. Going back to 2015, it's the same situation. Cubs are ready to compete. Sox are ready to compete. You would have been okay if Chris Bryant would have batted half the year seventh. Yep. Okay. That's all I wanted to know. I, I, right. I, I've done it with him, <laughs> him specifically. I got lineup cards I could laugh at. I hit him ninth once. Terrible. During the summer. I think we disagree on was that. Also, it was also in eighth grade. But, but in the 60-game season, I think the player development needs to be escalated, and he's good enough of a player to handle that. And we're already a tenth of the way done with the season, um, which I noticed that a lot of broadcasters like to bring up, like, often. Whoa, we're one tenth and thirty four quarters through the season. It's like, all right, guys, we get it. Sixty games. Or, uh, so I do. I don't want to bring you down, but Dylan sees. Oh, yeah, that was bad. The whole uh, rotation was terrible the first time through. It is, but Dylan sees was a guy who is supposed to be a top rotation guy. He has now gone like his. I think it's now sixteen starts or fifteen starts. He has a six point zero nine yard. Mm-hmm. He's not good. He's we no, know the flashes. Hard. We've seen the flashes. He had some great starts, you know, uh, against Houston a couple times this year. I think he's he's not a good starting pitcher. The whole rotation looked like shit the first time through, except for Dallas. And then Lucas Giolito. The thing that I'm not worried about with Dylan Cease is the velocity's there. He's hitting 98. 99 on the gun consistently with the fastball. The breaking ball's there. It's breaking. It's dropping. It's all about his location, which I understand is half a pitching. But it's easier to fix location than it is to fix not having stuff. So, oh, I've heard there has been a pitch for crowd for Don Cooper, which at this point, dude. I'm so whatever when it comes to Don Cooper. Like, I don't know. And I think there was some shade thrown by some White Sox pitchers when, fuck, who said it? I don't know who it was, but somebody was asked, like, who do they attribute, like, their pitching better to? And they said the triple-A pitching coach. Oh. Well, I was going to say last year, Julito was talking about how he went back to his high school uh, pitching coach. I get that. It was someone this year, though. Someone was Our like, man. oh, yeah. what do you attribute this to? And he was like, whoever the AAA pitching coach is. Like, no oh. one has said Don Cooper. <laughs> and great. then you get Joe Cowley, that little fucking guy, tweeting out shit, saying how Cooper's a snitch, and he read it out a bunch I, of dudes in the organization you, just so he can get a to, 10-year contract. You have to wonder. Don Cooper's been there since, like, the late nineties or early two thousands, he's he's survived like four, five, six different managerial changes. How you and you're gonna ask how does a guy do that? I yeah, he's been the White Sox pitching coach. I think like two thousand two. Yeah, bro, he's been there from since two thousand two. So it was like Jerry Manuel, Ozzy, Robin, and Navinter. So I guess only four. Oh, he's been the pitching coach for 18 years. I mean, that's got to be one of the longest tenured coaches. And here's the one- thing. He did build the track record because, like, for a long time, the White Sox, what were they known for? Like, every first, like, you know, all their lefties. 
Mark Burley, uh, you know, you had Chris Sale, Quintana, and then that obviously that 2005 season had like incredible starting pitching. You know, you got something, you made John Jank something. Gavin Floyd had a couple good years. Oh, yeah. He's been very, like, he has bright spots, but like recently, bro, wolf. And I don't know, the, the whole Joe Colley thing, I don't know, man. I don't, again, I'm not really one to be into speculation. And he said, she said, and Joe obviously has a bone to pick with the White Sox organization. And everybody knows, like, Ozzy's oh, Joe's dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big Ozzy guy. So, I mean, it is what it is. But, like, I don't know, man. I Cooper could easily be at the end of his rope. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not – I'm not going to be sad when he's gone. I mean, I still think it's funny that anytime, like when Cease is getting yanked after two and a third, people are tweeting out, Coop will fix him. Like, it's like the ongoing joke, you know, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too worried about Dylan Cease. I really think it'll be like a Lucas Giolito situation where his second outing, you're going to see a big improvement. And also, if you've noticed, I'm back to being positive, though. I got it. Got dark for like two days for me. What was the darkest moment? Uh, it got really dark when I saw Nikki Delmonico bat and clean up. It just went. <laughs> everything just went red. Everything just went red. I lost my shit. I was pissed off because they were just getting smoked. It looked like they. Uh, I was just. But are you? Are you? Did that everything? Because I mean, I mean, it's COVID. Whoever thought that was going to happen back in like the win- that this past off season, and I mean. Injuries could happen, but, you know, you had Mazzara out and you immediately see that there's no depth there. Did you get mad that the Sox didn't, like, try to go get an actual good right fielder in the offseason? Yeah. Nick Castellanos was right there all along. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. The reports came out on Thursday. There's a lot of guys. uh, They made the Schaumburg practice open to the media on Thursday, and a lot of guys that you know we know on the show and through twitter and all that stuff were there and um the first thing that a lot of people have said is the two things that impressed him the most was <laughs> nick madrigal and number two was nomar mazara was just destroying baseballs so yes it's practice i get that way different than a game so everyone could slow down with that i understand it it's better than nicky delmonico um He'll be up soon. I don't know when soon is. I don't know if it'll be against this Kansas City um, series this weekend. I would imagine it's at least in the start of the Milwaukee split. Um, and I guess that brings up to the the 10,000-pound gorilla in the room. It's Nick Madrigal's eligible. The service time game is over. It's How mad are you going to be when he's not in the lineup Friday? Not as mad as you think. All right, so like I said, I went deep into negative town, man. Like I was fucking <laughs> bummed, dude. I went golfing. I couldn't even have fun golfing because I was so mad. Oh. Like it was just – it was pissing me off. I don't know why I put the game on my phone. I was listening to it while I was golfing, and I was just getting pissed off. And, yeah, golf is like my happy place. Like I go golfing to like clear my head and zen out a little bit, and I was just – I don't know. I was – the White Sox got me all fucked up. But <laughs> to the point now where if Magical isn't in the lineup 
this weekend versus Kansas City, not just Friday, this weekend. I mean, as we record this Thursday night, they haven't said anything. And I don't know if they're going to get them out there Friday before the game time. That seems like cutting it pretty close. But I guess, I mean, I'm not even going to get mad about shit anymore like that. I just, I can't do it. I'm going to cut 10 years off of my life. So I got, you guys saw I had to take blood, fucking blood pressure medicine, just a woosah. <laughs> and I'm, it's just, I don't know. I'm going to try to stay up on this. I mean, Larry Garcia has been playing well. But he's still a defensive liability, in my opinion, where Nicky, Nicky, Nick Madrigal. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm reading stats while I'm talking. Nick Madrigal is coming off a season where he won a gold glove. And probably three out of your five pitchers in your rotation are known ground ball pitchers. You want a gold glove anything in any position in the infield. So you put Nicky Delmar. Oh, boy, that's twice now. One more. You don't want to go on a train to wherever. And then you get Nick Madrigal, put him at second. But And I've said this, and you guys can vouch for it, I've said this at least five times on the show. Larry Garcia is a guy you need to have on your roster. Every team needs to have that guy, especially in this season where dudes are, well, Marlins, are dropping like flies. But, like, the COVID shit can happen anytime, anywhere. Having a guy that can slide into any one of the seven positions and hold it down. I mean, he's not, he's better in the outfield, in my opinion, but hold it down at any position. But you could put him in your lineup and he's, you're not really too worried about him. That's a guy you need on your squad during this kind of crazy shit. So, need Larry Garcia on the roster. What you don't need on the roster right now is Ryan Gones. You don't need. Nicky Delmonico. So I don't know. I think Nick Madrigal should come up. Every I've said it. I'm not gonna beat this dead horse, dude. Nick Madrigal should be up. I think it'll be if I was gonna bet on it, I'd probably say the Milwaukee series. What like what would be the reason though? I don't know. To not- I have no idea. <laughs> I'm done trying to figure out what the White Sox are gonna like, do. We know why he like we know why right. he's not up, why he wasn't up the first week. Like we know why, like that's whatever they want to say. We know why, but like, what you would know, be the reason after that? I just don't understand. Say some bullshit, like he's working on his timing, like what at Woodfield <laughs> Mall? Like, come on, dude. But so I think he should be up. And cards on the table. I think Andrew Vaughn should be up. <gasps> Takes I'd rather, have, I'd rather have Andrew Vaughn up here than Zach Collins. Oh, I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't know why Zach Collins is on. Uh... Zach Collins not going to catch McCann. McCann's hitting really well. Grandall's uh, one of the best defensive catchers in the league. You notice I said defensive for Grandall because at the plate it is not looking smooth. He looks uncomfortable. I don't get it. But anyways, um, Andrew Vaughn comes up that you, you get him to see some major league pitching, pitch hit. Maybe he plays first base a couple games. DH whatever. I'd still. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing in Schaumburg that they can't do up with the big squad. So, or live BP, I guess, because teams right. can't go out early. That's the only thing. That might be it, but I guess that's if you're going to take my hot take here. I think they should have Andrew Vaughn up. Uh, Edwin looks good, but bro, he's got he's two for nineteen right now, and one of those two is the absolute cock shot he hit to the balcony 
Despite some of the high scores we've seen for the Cubs and the White Sox, did you guys see the stat around how like the first week has gone for hitters? It's like all time low batting average. Right, Christian Yellow just hitting like point four eight. <laughs> a lot of the greats are. They're hitting like Pete Alonso too. He's been yeah. The lead, the lead is at like two twenty nine or something. So I guess if you put it in that perspective, you know I got to be take it easy on some of these guys. But like, I'm sorry, but Edwin just does not look good right now. He looks and, every very much bit of his thirty eight. 37? Yeah. I'm not saying to completely scrap it because, you know, he's easily is a type of guy that can catch heat and just start going for you. But why not, dude? There's no AAA ball this year. Why not bring Andrew Vaughn up and just use this time? The kid's hitting the cover off the ball. He's done everything you wanted him to do. I just – Are they going to bat up seventh? That's right. I don't know. That. I don't think he's as good we as – can move the Bob up if that's the case. <laughs> But now, uh, if you Andrew Vaughn, he'd be better batting fifth than Zach Collins, who was batting fifth for some reason. Yeah, yeah that dude. I don't know. I'm people have been coming at me with a lot of bullshit on Twitter, like, "Oh, they're going to trade Madrigal and Vaughn for pitching." No, they're not. Stop. Those are literally the two guys that they wouldn't trade. Time out. I do want to say, uh, one of guys, one of Sauce writers for Sports Mockery, Emmett, put out a poll. And for me, it was it was an obvious no-brainer. It should be an obvious no-brainer. It was like Andrew Ron and uh, Nick Madrigal for Nick for Jacob Degrom. That's a no-brainer for the Sox. Yeah, that one okay. So that, no I mean, <laughs> and for and somehow that poll, like no, was, wasn't it? Wasn't it Andrew Vaughn and Michael Kopech? Oh, and and Kopech and Madrigal. I'd still do it for Jacob Degrom. I mean, Degrom's nasty, dude. Michael Kopech hasn't pitched in like two and a half years though. Dude, so that's my thing. I've been a huge avid supporter of Michael Kopech on this show and on Twitter. But if you could package him and like Zach Collins no. and get yourself like something, de- they're not all right. So they drafted Andrew Vaughn to do what? Replace Jose Abreu. Yes. Okay. And there's still no one else on this roster that's going to replace Jose Abreu. Eloy. Ed- Edwin's showing his age. No, Vaughn's your first baseman of the future. Or your DH. Or he's frozen. <gasps> Zo froze. <laughs> Zo froze, and it's a great actual like picture too right now. Just keep talking. We, oh, there, there you go. There you go. There you go. You're back. Or, or you're back. just like really still yeah. for a second. Okay, okay, okay. So Eli left. Eli says left. Andrew on future first baseman. You're right. You're right. Yep. And then they don't have a second baseman on this team. Uh, go. You can get Lindor uh, in a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, then, yes. All right. Get Lindor. Yes. And then, why not just go after Christian Yelich too while you're at it? Because he's in a slump. But you trade uh, Magical Vaughn and Kopech for Christian Yelich. Probably. How old's Christian Yelich? He's like twenty something, right? Twenty-eight. Twenty-nine. Yeah, something. I'd probably make that deal. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. All right. So Jacob Degrom. If we're just gonna throw names out there, yes, you make the trade for Jacob Degrom, dude. That's just. <laughs> Silliness. I'm trying to get realistic, but if you could package like a Michael Kovic and a Zach Collins and get a another decent arm, closer. Are you, are you nervous at all about uh, Kovic? Uh, a like a thousand uh, I always am with him, dude. I mean, the rest of the bullpen looked really good. Uh, Marshall looked really good. Um, Bummer looked really good. All these guys for the White Sox, pitching wise, there's a theme going on where their second time around, they're looking way better than the first time against. Let me tell you, so I am very jealous of your guys' bullpen, right? Yes, and so I'm not really too worried about it, but 
I mean, if I'm going to start making trades, let's let's start with like Collins and Kopik. You know what I mean? Like, let's slow down. But anything, any, any, uh, let's see. So Kansas City got a sweep, right? It'd be nice. You at least have to win that series. I mean, at the bare minimum, you got to win that. They're Kansas City's pulling up their top pitching prospect for Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, that usually goes one or two ways. There's usually no middle with that. He either throws lights out or he gets lit up. Um, but yeah, there's no reason not to take at least two or three. And then you have the two and two with Milwaukee, where we go to Milwaukee for two. Milwaukee comes here for two. It'd be real interesting to see the lineups. Like I said, if no one gets called up, Adam Ingles definitely earned the right field spot over Nicky Delmonico. If they were playing for it, 100% Adam Ingles won that job. What I'm going to be really watching for in these series, obviously, is the continue of Luis Roberts' development. Um, obviously, like we've talked about 100 times now, the lineups, and a lot of it depends on who gets called up. But the big thing is the starting pitching. I mean, it's got to be better. Raylo's out for God knows how long. I don't think he's back Yeah, and I'm not mad about it. Uh, what do you think about Rodon? Rodon was like not good, but I mean, yeah, I just it was, was, was kind of like the U Darvish start, kind of. Kind of. I just feel like he's his pitch selection was really interesting to me. Um, it felt like he was leaning pretty heavy on the fastball, like real heavy fastball. Uh, I'm hold on. I'm pulling up his splits right now. Actually, game log because they only played one game. Uh, five earned runs, gave up one homer, four strikeouts, threw seventy-one pitches. I don't know. I wasn't completely thrilled with his performance, but again, I just I really feel like it's another guy that's going to be better the second time around. You know what I mean? It's just not the start we wanted for the White Sox, but I'm back from the dark place. I'm feeling pretty positive about it. And I'll tell you what, winning solves everything, and there's no better place to go do that than in Kansas City. Now say the magic words. Bring up Nick and you don't sweat the Kansas City Royals. It kind of came back and bite me in the dick last time. So you jinxed the Sox, but the Sox offense was hot, and then they got shut down for yep. like uh, twenty six out of twenty seven innings. What's uh, what is their record? Has, have they won the a game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Royals are ahead of the Sox. <laughs> well, everyone's ahead of the Sox. No, the Royals are two and four too. Oh, there you go. You guys tied. Battle they, of the Sox. Yeah, they just don't – their pitching – everyone's pitching has been better than the Sox, so. I was going to say their <laughs> pitching has been better than the Sox. Everyone's pitching has been better than the Sox. Um, they got 26 runs for – I don't know. Who's hot on the Royals right now? I don't even so know who – on this oh, team. Uh, uh, the Cubs like, were trying to trade since, like, last July. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield's hitting three ninety one. Salvador Perez has two home runs. Um, Mikel Franco has seven RBIs. Damn. Get it, kid. They had a game where like, they scored 14 runs on the Tigers. I think that's, Whit, that was one of the Yeah, Whit Merrifield's having a season. He's batting 391. He's got seven RBIs, two home runs, three doubles. Stolen base. His OPS is 1.223. Decent. Yeah, no, Whit Merrifield's having a day. 
So bring up Nick Madrigal, take two out of three, and yeah, that's about it for the White Sox. I mean, again, I'm back to positive. I'm going to stay up about this, and winning cures everything. But I will say that it feels like people are at their end, wits end with, well, definitely with Cooper, but with Ricky as well. And again, to Kevin's point, we don't know who's pulling the, the levers back there. We don't know what's going on with that. So Zoe says this now until he sees Nikki D in the cleanup and Nikki M still not a team. I don't think I don't we're going to worry about that. I don't think you we got to worry about that. But there's still like a chance because Ricky. Yeah, I know. I think there's a chance that Nikki Dillock would ever be batting fourth in 2020 and it happened. Yeah, there's always uh oh dude. I just, and second. Sorry, and little second. I just now saw that I can see your comments. I Me had to too. click something else. Um I really don't think that'll happen again, but I also didn't think I'd be 36 years old and 10 pounds overweight. So like shit happens. You know what I mean? Like you get it, I get it. I mean what but, what happened last time he got replaced? Who? Rich Retria. Yeah, they did. They did a thing. They did, they did a, thing. a thing with a thing. He's good with young guys, but maybe maybe Theo was onto something. Maybe he's not the right manager for a rebuild. But he's I will say the Sox, Sox players definitely respond well to Ricky. Like they've been very public that they, and it's not like they're in situations where they're asked direct questions. It feels like they're going out of their way to like publicly show admiration for Ricky. He's definitely a player's manager. But maybe you keep him on as a bench coach and you get another manager or something. I don't know. But, like, I don't know if you could do that. I don't think he would stand for that. But Bring back that. It can't end well for for Renteria. It, it, it no. can't, unfortunately. He's a nice guy. He's a very right. good guy. But he's just not – if they don't get over the hump with him there, he's going to have that reputation tagged with him forever, which is he's a great guy with young ball players. He'll hold, you know, he'll, he'll hold the water for a bit. And then when it's time to really make that jump, you got to go get somebody else. I mean, with, again, the Cubs went from him to to Madden and immediately make the playoffs. And it, you know, it could have been perfect timing, you know. But I don't think it just seems to be that he's he keeps everything in line and he teaches it, the kids good enough. Um, and yeah, he's obviously a good human being, but that doesn't win ball games. And so it's probably yeah. not going to turn out well for him, unfortunately, which sucks because it does suck. We get on with this. Do you think he's going to be manager next year? I, you can't say that because what if they – Number one, I have no clue his contract situation is. Right. So. I don't think anybody does. This isn't no. one of those things where, like, he signed, like, a weird contract and, like, secret. <laughs> Apparently, it's just, like, the Don Cooper, like, under the table contract uh, There's signing. something fucky going on with that Don Cooper <laughs> thing. I, I don't like to admit it, but Kali's got me thinking about all kinds of shit. Um, He's the one who knows where all the bodies are buried. Right. But I don't know about Ricky, man. I'm not pro or con Ricky. I just know I know he was a vital part in recruiting Luis Robert. I know a lot of his players really respect him and think he's a great guy. I don't know who's making these lineups, but they're terrible and something needs to change. So and by the way, if these are like if these are being influenced by the front office, awful job by them too. Yeah. Well that's why that's why I said it that way. Like that's just not if that's the front office, then that's terrible too. And now a word from our sponsors. Moving on to the north side, got the cubes. Um, 
they came out of the gate hot. And we've talked about this many of times before the season started that in a 60 game sprint, it's all about a hot start. And the Cubs sit right now four and two, four and two with their Thursday night game being rained out. Um, a nice plus five run differential. They're putting up runs, man. I mean, we keep talking about the high powered offense on the south side, but the Cubs are putting up runs, dude. And they're putting them up in bunches. Even when they got tagged a little bit on Wednesday by the Reds, they still put up seven. Mm-hmm. They, had, they had a mini comeback. They're down 9 0, scored five. And then is, they scored yeah. two more in the ninth. But of course, the bullpen gave up 27 more runs. So it didn't matter. <laughs> but I do want to start out, and I know you were trolling the shit out of me to start the show, but. Isn't it nice to see your best young infield prospect getting at bats and hitting 389? And he's playing damn good baseball from everything I've seen. I know you guys watch it way more than me. I'm going to shut up in a minute, but he's seven for 18 with a double. He's got five RBIs. I mean, only three strikeouts. He still hasn't taken a walk yet, but that just, he's making contact. He's putting the ball in play. And that's the type of player Madrigal is going to be too, but I don't know. Let's not, not put the expectations on Nick Madrigal to to meet uh, Nico Horner just oh, yet. So. <laughs> no, and, and here's a oh, kicker yeah, no, too. Wait, Would you guys been able to guess at the beginning of the season that the two leading hitters for the leading hitter for both Cubs team or both Chicago teams would be a rookie? Because Horner's leaning it for the Cubs, and Lou Bob has the highest for for the White Sox. So you have it's so weird. I guess one of them, not Nico. Yeah, not Let's Nico. See. Luis Robert, I might have had to. Luis Robert's a freak, but you know, yeah, you didn't. Oh, sorry, you didn't mention this, by the way. And I again, I, as as the old ball ball coach, I do like to point out one thing too that you should be very happy with the White Sox, and that is fantastic defense. They've only made one error in the first six games of the season. They have a nine nine five fielding percentage. That is fantastic for it's any. one. That's a one error with an asterisk because Luis Garcia has made some plays that were not counted as errors, but. But I know what you're saying, Kevin, and I agree. Now imagine that awesome defense with a gold glove second baseman. <laughs> in Kevin, Kevin, I want you to get into the uh, hitting mechanics of Nico because this guy is doing exactly Ooh. what the Cubs missed all of like the past year and a half, mm-hmm. where this guy just oh. knows how to hit, can get his bat on the ball. Oh, what happens? That's a really good idea. We need like a special theme music, and we'll call it. Coach Cavs hitting corner or coach's <laughs> corner, and you break down people's swings every week. Because, dude, Kevin, I'm telling you, people love when you do that shit on Twitter, dude. I don't know <laughs> if you notice it or not. People absolutely because you know what you fuck you're talking about, and you speak normal. You're not trying to like dial it up with fancy words or something. We, we need a good and bad. I want a breakdown of Nikki Delonico next week. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, he's not on. We're only gonna talk about players on the roster, active <laughs> roster. Um, but yeah, no, do Nico Horner's because I'm very curious. It's good. He's, he's, he, well, he's a contact guy. He's a guy that he's a Batman. He's a bat handler. He's a, he's the kind of guy that you, again, you want, I think you and I in our, in our, when we were messaging during the game, every time he comes up with a runner at third, less than two outs, I'm, I feel like he's going to get the job done every single time. He's going to put the ball in play and shorten up. He did. He got the sack by the other day at the, 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 the knock. He had the base hit the right center over the second baseman's head, just shortening up and just punching the baseball and getting the job done. And that's not something you're going to see from, you know, I don't, you know, you're not going to see Javi ever do something like that. I don't think, you, you know, Wilson, I think Contreras has done the same thing too. He's actually been really good with two outs, getting the job done, actually mm-hmm. shortening up. 
but but some of these you know the, the sluggers at the top of the order they're not going to shorten up so when you get someone <laughs> at the bottom of the order that comes up in a situation where you just need to move a runner over or you need to score a guy uh, nico mm-hmm. has such a such a quiet swing it's you know, and it, I, you're not going to see him generate a ton of power over the course of his career. He's going to get stronger as a, as a human being because he's a man, he's going to grow into some man muscle or whatever. But you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to be hitting gaps and hitting line drives and manufacturing runs. And and you know, th- he's going to be a hard guy to shift because he's going to be able to put it. Where he's a gap to gap guy, which I you know, those are those are very valuable um, wherever they're at. But I mean, obviously, as he progresses with his career, his swing is as is, is really uh, it fits really well in a leadoff spot. I think it fits really well in a two hole. And I think mm-hmm. it hit, fits really well in a six, seven, or eight because it's again it's a back control situation. Those are run either finding a way to get on because he does. He seems to show a pretty good eye up there. He has a good command of the strike zone too. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's how many walks he's taken this year. I don't think he's taken many. Zero. He's, yeah, he hasn't taken many, but he's also only struck out three times. So yep. I mean, you know, you you have uh, however many eighteen plate appearances and, and, and you're a rookie and you don't don't strike out but three times. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys that are striking out are Schwarber, Baez, Contreras. Um, happen obviously KB's double digits with 10 um, to have a guy in the lineup that's not going to punch out like that it, it it fills a little bit of a hole and that's something the Cubs have needed in their lineup for a while it's been it's a home run or nothing seems to be and now you've got some guys and I think I think Hap's done a good job down there too I love Hap in the nine hole I really do um, and I like Victor Caratini's another bat handler like those are guys that they do something different than what the other guys do and you the Cubs lineup over the last couple of years has seemed almost like a cookie cutter a uh, photocopy of each guy. Each guy is basically the same kind of player, and they didn't have that diversity in the lineup where you have that. I mean, but I, I love. I, I mean, every time I, he comes up to the plate in those situations, I get giddy, and I, I usually message you guys. I'm like, here we go. Let's see him get it done now too, because he's basically gotten it done almost every single time when he was put in those situations. I think it's only been like two times that, like, I think there was a bases loaded situation where he had like a check swing that ended up yep. into a dope play, and then there the might have been like, too. and then there, yeah, that strike. I mean, Sunny Gray is just. That was the entire lineup. Uh, Wait, you mentioned KB and like, yeah, other guys have struggled too, but KB just hasn't looked good at all. And you, we talked about a little, or I think you talked about it uh, over the weekend a bit, how he's pressing. Like, what are you seeing? Just is there anything mechanical or is it just it's in his head? Is it just pressure? It's his head. He's he's chasing a lot more upstairs. Excuse me. Sorry. He's chasing a lot more upstairs. He's chasing, you know, that's not him. He's not a guy that chases balls up and out. Now he'll chase upstairs, but they're usually in the strike zone. He gets tied up, up and in a lot um, just because his long swing, but he's chasing balls six, eight, 10 inches outside of the zone up top. And that's, that's not him. And I can, again, you know, you, you've, you know, you've seen the kid a million times in, in my, you know, in my, in course of my lifetime, at least. I know his body language pretty well. Um, you know, you can't, you can't not know the body language. I mean, that doesn't change when you're a 13, 14 year old kid all the way up to 18 to, you know, a pro baseball player at 30. His body language is telling me a ton. And I think that day off was really good for him um, that he got. Uh, I really wish the Cubs were playing. He needs to get back out there, but it's a good time to reset. But he does seem like he's a little bit in his own head. He's pressing, he's trying a bit too hard. I think he's trying to impress at the top of the order. He wants to win and he's very hard on himself, which is a big deal for him. And, you know, but I've seen, you know, I used to call it bitch face. He, 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 I've seen bitch face a lot more this year than, than I've seen in past years already just because of the frustration. He has a face that he makes that, you know, you, you get used to that when you see a kid every day, when you see them fail and struggle sometimes. And, um, you know, when he tilts his head back too, he does the, uh, like he does that look up to the sky kind of thing. Like, like he knows what he did wrong because he is so in tune with his body and his swing. 
So it's more pressing than anything else. And it's pitch selection, you know, but I, I've, I've actually, it feels like pitchers are capitalizing. I mean, they're going upstairs a lot more, it seems in his at bats this year. I, it used to be the, the change up on the outer half, I think that he struggled with. And I'm not sure if maybe they, they saw something that maybe he fixed it. They thought that maybe this is more vulnerable where he's more vulnerable, but they've been going upstairs and, and make taking advantage of it quite a bit. So it's just, it's compounding to him. And, you know, you hope he kind of shakes it off a little bit, but he will. He's a professional. I mean, Mike Trout shaked it off last night. So, you know, he, Mike Trout was hitting like 180, and then last night he goes three for five and hits a home run a double, and he's, he's off and running now. KB just mm-hmm. needs to have one of those KB days. Once he does, he'll be fine. Like Javi. Javi had, you know, Javi was struggling, and then he had his day. And once you get that day, you're off the schneid. It's just like, okay, now I can exhale and just go. And I think KB hasn't gotten that yet. I think that I think everybody else has, and I think he's just he's, his train's a little late right now to the station, but it'll get there. Now, one of the positives of just having a shitty bullpen, but having a four and two record, saw this on Cubs Twitter on a Wednesday night, where you don't get a chance that you don't get that chance of just figuring out who is eventually going to be good for you in the bullpen. While kind of, I mean, they're four and two; they have a winning record. So that that's a luxury, and oh, I guess that's the most positive spin that you can take right now out of how awful the bullpen is. <laughs> um, but I need to ask you that uh, was it Tuesday night? Uh, Craig Kimbrell <laughs> coming was that Tuesday or Monday? Whatever it was, it was game one of the series. Game one so of Monday, so it was Monday. Monday. Comes in three run lead, and everyone already is on edge. Even with the three run lead, we're like shit. Hopefully he gets the three outs before he gives up three runs. And he couldn't get three outs. But David Ross leaves him out there. Like he walked four guys, hit a guy, uh I think he hit a guy to drive in a run. Uh walked a guy to, to drive in a run too. He doesn't ha- he's doesn't have he all the points from it. We saw Sonny Gray on Wednesday where he was getting guys swinging at his breaking pitches that were like a foot outside. Like Javi Baez missed that ball by like two feet or something. Nico looked terrible. A lot of guys look terrible on um on Gray's uh breaking pitches. Every time Kimbrell was throwing his curveball, Reds hitters were just spitting at it. They're like, nope. I know that's coming. That's in the dirt. Nope. Nope. Fastball up. Nope. Fastball away. Nope. Like he's not fooling anyone right now. And I'm do you do you take him out of the closers role right now? I think you give him one more shot, but I think you, I think maybe he, I mean, again, I, I, maybe he's tipping pitches. I don't know. Like, it feels like, it feels like everybody sees it's coming. I mean, Monday night, literally, I'm, I kid you not. I have my Apple watch on and uh, <laughs> I'm not, I, I shit you not. This is, this is the crazy part. I, I mean, it keeps track. I, I, I always, I, I always would wonder what my pulse is during like a, the games. Right. And so like when I, you know, when we're, I'm coaching baseball and I looked at my watch, I check yeah. my pulse. Like I'm coaching, I'm, I'm coaching, you know, out on the base pass. And I'm I'm looking at my watch because it's like it's a tight ball game. We got a runner at third. There's one out. And it's the bottom of the seventh inning, and I'm looking at my pulse and I'm like, okay, that's not too bad. My pulse is you know sitting pretty decent. I have not had an elevated pulse like I did Monday night. Monday night it took me a good 45 minutes to like come back down and decompress after that because I mean it wasn't just Kimbrel. <laughs> it was the entire clown show, dumpster fire, brush fire, whatever you want to call it. And I, it took, I mean, my girlfriend's like, why do you keep sighing? Cause I kept going <sighs> and she's like, what? I go, I am trying to take my shit down right now. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm on tilt. I my pulse was hitting like a hundred beats per minute. It was terrible. Hold the feeling. 
I want to read that stat from that Monday night game because it was I it was stupid how many balls they the bullpen. So the bullpen pitched four innings on Monday night after John Lester. John Lester was throwing like 90 miles per hour, didn't give up a hit in five innings. The Reds were just up there like making weak contact. I think they hit two hard balls all night against Lester. The bullpen comes in and like cannot throw a strike at all. Four innings, Cubs bullpen through 129 pitches. Four innings, 129 pitches. Only 62 of them were for strikes. Less than half of the pitches the bullpen threw were for strikes. Ugh. Yeah. Bullpen. Okay, so so I asked Kevin this. Mm-hmm. We saw we all we all saw what Kimbrell was last year. Bad. He's had like the couple minor injuries that like the knee and something else, a leg. Yep. Uh, this year, the velocity's still not back. He looked just dog shit on Monday. Do you mm-hmm. take him out of the close role, or how many more chances do you give this guy? What's the alternative? All right, right now, I guess you go. I mean, my guy, Rowan Thick. Yep. Him, Jeffries, give him. I mean, Jeffries hasn't looked that good, but at least he's getting outs. At this, point, give me outs. I mean, look yeah. at the, look at their bullpen stats. Like, like yeah, just I'm right now. It's disgusting. It is. Just- I appreciate you guys pointing this out because it's making me feel better about the White Sox starting pitching. Um, Three of the top four runs allowed. Like players, uh, Kyle Hendricks got lit. Obviously, yes, he's terrible on the road, but he got lit yesterday. But you take, you know, Kyle Hendricks has the mo- allowed the most runs because he's thrown 13 in a third innings. But then the next three guys on the list of most runs allowed are all relievers. Norwood, Brothers, and and is it Tapera? Is that how you say it? Then you Darvish, um, who gave up, you know, three. But you got Dwayne Underwood on there. I mean, when you look at it, it's the, it's ridiculous. I mean, it goes Hendricks, Norwood, Brothers, Tapera, Darvish, Underwood, Maples. Um, and then you got guys like, again, Wick, none. I mean, he's only thrown two-thirds of an inning. I Actually, the other night, I, uh, who did they break? I think they brought in, um, was it Sadler maybe, to close the other night to, to wrap well, it up? He, I think. He scoreless inning, or let's see, the ninth? I, I honestly don't remember. I feel like he came in like, oh, I think I'll pull it up. I, I feel like he came in and he actually looked pretty good. Was mm-hmm. it Sadler? Even he, no, I think it was Tapera, but even he gave oh, up a two-run home run. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> like he looked great. He went, he struck out the side, but in that process, he also gave up a two run. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So but, I mean, but here's the set. Here's the set. The the Cubs bullpen has walked twenty guys and ninety five batters faced. They have a twenty one point one percent walk rate, nine point six four ERA. So here's Not my great. thing to your original question. My big thing with Kimbrel, and I mean, I'm I'm not like you know, going to hit you with a mind-blowing take here, though. With his velocity being 90 right now, that's not that's not the Craig Kimball you signed up for, man. Like, yeah, that's what I said. Uh, it's not like, there. Two weeks ago, he is not the guy, he is not the guy who's going to throw 98, 99 anymore. He is the guy who's throwing 95. I think he topped out at 97 on Monday when he came in. Yeah, so he, he was working on his changeup because he's like, I need, I know that I can't throw as hard anymore, so I'm not great. We already know he's right. he's lost the baseball. He's not throwing. He's throwing ninety. He's the mid nineties guy now. It's the four walks, man. It's oh man, he, so he hasn't given up a hit yet. He's only given up walks. His whip is twelve <laughs> without allowing a single hit. <laughs> no, four four walks and a hit batters. 
they have yeah. five free passes in what? How many innings? What, a third of an inning? One, one inning no, total? In out. <laughs> in several innings. Yeah, ERA is <laughs> 50. No, he did get out. I'm sorry. He did get out. He did get one out. I'm He's got sure. one inning logged. He got one yeah. inning pitched, I think. His ERA is 54. Oh, no, games right? pitched. Sorry. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, just said, yeah. A third of an inning. Wow. Again, because we're 100%, we're one-tenth through this season. Um, you're going to have to cut bait quick in all aspects of the game. No time. I think, yeah, my I, big thing for Monday, and it is for, like, it doesn't matter if it's a 100. Last year, too, we saw it a lot of times with the bullpen and just leaving guys out there when you see that they don't have it. David Ross is up there. Again, guys, four walks and a hit batter. He didn't have it after he went ahead 0-2 to Castellanos, threw, like, four straight balls, walked, or no, threw a wild pitch, and then had a ground out. And then after that was three straight walks and a hit batter. Or, th- or like mixed in was that. That's two, that's at least two batters too long. You can you can immediately tell when a guy doesn't have it or not. There is no need to just, oh, yeah, no, he's a, re- he's a veteran. You know, this is my closer. Uh, I'm going to give him a long leash. You know, I think uh, David Ross was like, you know, he just that was rust. It's like, hey, man. You could have said that last year, but we saw him for two and a half months last year, and this is what he looked like. So, not I, I can't buy that this was rust. No, and <laughs> the is- eye test, it's not, like they, it's not like the eye test said something that different than the stats. The eye test, I mean, he looked like Medusa out there, like turning everybody to stone. Like this wasn't like everybody. Oh, that's it's a good- not like, oh, wow, Craig Kimbrell like, lost his control, like bad night yeah. for him. <laughs> we got a good question here from our guy, Yumper. Uh, do you think Marquez, Marquez or Adozole will be eventually in the pen? I hope so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they want to bring in bring up Marquez yet. He's still a little younger. I think he's like twenty one, maybe. I think he just turned twenty one. Adozole's fine. But Adozole, bring him up. Adozole, put him in the bullpen. He's the guy who's who's been a starter. I know he's had his injuries, but hey, this is another guy where you're getting to the point where you need to see if he can do it or not. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be a starter in the future or not, but that's not an option right now. If he can work in the bullpen a couple innings at a time and be effective, that should be his role. I do think eventually he'll, I mean, some of these guys, uh, Rex Brothers, hey, man, you look great in summer camp, but can't come in to get out a lefty and then walk the lefty. That yep. Can't do that. And then gives up the grand slam to Castellanos. Just give me, so- give me the younger guy. Here's my so, question to you, Aldo, was be, again, if, if, if Mills keeps throwing the way he did his first start and Chatwood somehow is doing what he's doing and, and Q comes back, Quintana comes back, do you go with a six rotation or do you say, hey, Chat Tyler, you've been fantastic. You've got your command back. You want to take the ball in the ninth for us? <laughs> is, I that, view, is that a possibility? I view Jose Quintana coming back as like the best thing that could happen to the Cubs bullpen. Because mm-hmm. either he just goes back into the rotation and you put Tyler Chatwood where he – I think he was in the closest role for like a little bit last year when the Cubs like had no one when they lost like three arms in the span of a week. And I think he did close out a couple games. That would be great. Sure. Give me Tyler Chatwood as the closer. Like that guy is in his filthy stuff. Fine. Or if you want to keep uh, Chatwood in the rotation and you, want, and you also want to just bring back Quintana in the rotation because you trust him more than Alec Mills – Okay, I'm fine with that too. Put Alec Mills in, and that's a guy who can give you like two to three innings once every couple of days. 
or like you know maybe twice a week, and that that can save your bullpen. Or so, if you say fuck it, Q, you lost your job. You're in the bullpen now. He can do that role. Yo, Gonzalez role. Get guys out three outs. Yeah, just three. just give me guys who can get outs because right now it's it's painful zone. Yeah. It's funny no, when I scroll down uh, Chatwood's stats on ESPN, the first thing that pops up under latest news is a piece by Jesse Rogers saying, really, the Cubs bullpen should be a strength down the stretch. That's the headline. Um, should it? My question, though, now that we've officially reached the point in this you know, condensed season where all the service time bullshit's over, do you see more teams, not just the Cubs side, just more teams in general, maybe bringing up a young pitcher and throwing him in the pen just to get him some innings just because he, there's nowhere else for him? What, is he going to just throw live BP? I mean, that's great and all, but we all know that's not like the real thing. The only thing that I'm seeing that could maybe deter teams from doing that is that we're seeing a lot of injuries to pitchers. Yes. Big and time. maybe you don't want to do that to a young guy. That's the only reason I can see why. Right, yeah, but I mean, other than that, yeah, play your fine. best at this point. Play your I mean, best guy. What was the kid? Shit, what's the kid's name? Royals. Oh, Blue Jays. Oh yes, Nate Pearson. Pearson. Yeah, he was throwing some gas, dude. That and somebody pointed out on uh, Twitter. Uh, I think he was drafted in 2017, and the Cubs could have drafted him, but they went with this other guy from LSU who just hasn't been good. Dude, miss big Nate's. <laughs> For Toronto, his stuff was just filthy, man. I mean, so with – yeah, I guess that's a good point, though. With all these injuries to pitchers, maybe just out of necessity, we start seeing some of these younger arms get a shot. Um, like, I think I think a guy like, like – I don't think Carol I – I mean, uh, Marquez, I want mm-hmm. him because he's that guy I can throw 100 and just crazy, crazy stuff on the left side. But maybe he's maybe he's like he's still a year away. But a guy like Caraway, who mm. everyone is raving about, and the day that they drafted him, people were like, "Hey, this guy can like pitch right now, or like pitch mm-hmm. later in the summer." I think if the Cubs bullpen just doesn't have like right now, they have three good relievers or three guys that you trust in: yeah. Kyle Ryan, Rowan Wick, kind of, and like half of like two other guys <laughs> that you kind of trust. So you just need anyone who can get out. But the thing is, Caraway is a guy who also struggled with his uh, location. So I kind of feel the same way with the White Sox with Garrett Crochet. Like, these dudes pitched in college. You know what I mean? Like, Just before we even go down that road, I understand college is way different than the pros. But these are guys that are drafted that you see, he could pitch, he could start tomorrow. Okay. Bet. Rats. Yeah, let's let's go. I mean, we can't throw Raylo out there. Gio Gonzalez was not impressive when he came in for Raylo. Like, and then you got Jimmy Lambert who got hurt again. Jimmy Lambert got hurt. Garrett Crochet's he's in Schaumburg. Give him a game against the Royals. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Just throw him out there. Let's see what the kid could do. I mean, you got Dane Dunning too waiting in the wings. I don't think Gio Gonzalez makes it the whole season as a a start in the rotation. I just don't. His every, I mean, it looked like he was throwing glorified BP out there. It was pretty bad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's where I'm seeing with the cops. And then the other thing with this season that I don't think I'm the only person to notice, but I've been watching a lot of baseball. I know you two have too, just because sports are back. I'm going to watch sports. But 
Dude, the umpires have been terrible. Mm. Like, it's been – and I know some guys are out and some other guys are crew chiefs now and getting more work behind them, but it's bad. It's awful. It, it's really bad. I have to say, great. I'm so happy that Wilson Contreras has now turned into, like, an above-average framer because, boy, oh, boy, was he stealing a lot of strikes in the Red Series. Mm-hmm. And that, but that also part of that is just fooling umpires and umpires calling pitches like three, four inches outside as strikes. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know where they're going to, I mean, they're going to, they talked about it this past year where like they're getting close to, we're just going to have the whatever technology to call balls and strikes. Yeah. I just, I, I just don't understand. And it's, I'm not just saying it's like, Oh, the late sector two and four, it's the, ump- no, it's, it's across the league. Like yep. just brutal calls. Uh, Joe West too gets dosed in the head yesterday or today or whatever it was. Was it today or yesterday? It gets hit right, in the, yeah. the backswing and knocks him silly. He leaves the game and hey, strikes are approved. So Zoe, I know that you like, uh, you want the robot umpires. Kevin, do you for like at least balls and strikes? Uh, you know, I like the human element, but it, and, and, you know, it's not like it used to be back, like, with, like, Glavin and Maddox, where, like, they'd spend the first few innings establishing their strike zone, and then right. in the fifth, sixth, and seventh innings, all of a sudden, they're getting, like, 12 to 16 inches off the dish, too, like, blatantly fooling the umpire. That's that's a comfort thing that you do. I don't have a problem with it. I, I really, I mean, that's one of the things that I, I mean, if you're going to do replay and stuff, replay slows everything down. I'm not, you know, I'm entirely, like, a huge fan of it, but I, I, I don't mind getting an efficient strike zone because, um then again, I don't mind it not because the pitchers are already at a disadvantage. Like every single rule change that they make is putting t- pitchers at a more of a disadvantage. So you've got a, a ball with no spin rate. You've got, you know, you've got juiced balls. I mean, at this point you should, I mean, God, if it's like the only bone you throw at pitchers, I guess, give them a, an occasional bad strike. It's probably not the worst thing that happened. I mean, you're not intentionally doing it like they are with the, you know, loading up the offenses with, with some of these things, but I mean, I wouldn't hate it. I, but I, I'm not. I'm not either way. It just makes you, you makes you want to like yell at the umpires. And if they take away that, then what are they going to argue about? That takes away some of the fun too. And you know, I like the mask up argument the other day. We're like, time out. Hold on. Let me put my mask on. All right. Now I'm going to come spit in your face. Like that was kind of funny. I don't know if it's the Pirates yeah. game. I think it was. It was awesome. But I will yeah. give him credit. In the Wednesday White Sox Cleveland game, they were he was consistently bad on both sides. <laughs> like everyone knew the low strike was in play. Everyone knew high and tight. Like four inches off the plate was still in play. I mean, what do you think about now, Kevin, you said you mentioned the, you know, want the human element there. What do you think about this compromise? I think it was Len Casper who brought it up uh, during the, uh, one of the Cubs games this week, you know, in hockey and Zoe, I mean, you follow, I mean, you, both of you guys follow hockey closely. Mm-hmm. You know, they have line what, judges, judges, mm-hmm. line yeah. officials, and then they have the head guy. Those guys don't change. It's not like they rotate. Uh, in MLB, there's the four umpires in a crew, and they rotate. What if you just have – you take out 15 of the best umpires at calling balls and strikes, and that is their job. They do not rotate. We they, made it. You <laughs> get the, if the – if the guys are like 97 98% right compared to guys who are bringing that average down, you know, yeah. just to keep those other guys away from calling balls and strikes. And if you want to keep the umpires calling balls and strikes and not have – Technology do it? Okay, but just stick with that group of guys. It's not too bad. Another good solution, too, with that, and even to go along with that, is, you know, a grading system for umpires. You know, you you can still, you know the strike zones. Even if there's not a robot umpire, you know how many times they were wrong. 
over mm-hmm. the course of a game. And so if you have that, you've got a grading scale. I, you know, the, the umpires union has too much of a hold on major league baseball as, as, as a whole. Um, but if you were able to actually have accountability for piss poor, you know, strike zones, I think that that would be great. I think that guys, I think umpires should be pulled from, from crews if they can't, you know, if, if you have a real bad day behind the dish, it's one thing. But if like, say over the course of like three, um, three appearances behind the dish as an umpire, you were only at like an 88% accuracy rate. You should be pulled from behind the dish. You should not be able to be, there should be repercussions for poor, poor, uh, for, for poor umpiring. I mean, I, yeah, there is no accountability for it. They, they, they puff their chest out and the union protects them. And, you know, if they're shitty, they're shitty and you got to deal with it. And the umpires, they're, they're humans, but they're also, their egos are ridiculous. Um, you know, that's at any, any level. My God, like asking for help is like pulling teeth, even at the high school level when there's a, you know, a bad call. So mm-hmm. kind Yeah. Seven inning double headers official starting August 1st. Um, Frankie Lindor might be the hottest baseball player in the world right now. He just hit another bomb in Minnesota. Ooh. Indians up two nothing. We record these on Thursday nights. Beavers throwing a gem too. There's no um, pitching in uh, in Baltimore tonight. <laughs> no. The third five to four with a runner on third already. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what it is. But all right, so thoughts, guys. Seven inning doubleheaders. Cool. Fine. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't dilly dally. Have thirty minutes between games. Duke it back up. Let's go. You know, I'm, but what I. What is it? I guess stats this season really no one's breaking any records anyways. So, I mean, Luba might hit four hundred. Yeah, that's gonna count. So you have to. Well, he'll be batting seventh the whole season. I mean, so this, <laughs> this is just nothing. <laughs> getting closer and close. I mean, two fifths of the NL East is just has a week off. Uh, the uh, the extra inning rule. The now double header, seven inning double headers, and the more and more these things change, just like, yeah, sure, it's it's twenty two again. This is just going to end with everyone saying it's twenty twenty. Yeah, right. Sure, right. Crazy train, and just 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 every time they make a new rule, they change something just because of whatever's going on. Just wear it and love it and adapt. Yeah. It's fun. It's still fun. I mean, I love the sending it like. like Okay, so they're going to do seven inning doubleheader starting August first. Great, you know, like they changed the playoff format right before opening day. Like, there's a okay. Let's be flat. We all know that this was going to be a, a kind of a war of attrition when it comes to like consistency because of the inconsistent or, or lack thereof of um, you know dealing with a virus that doesn't give two craps about what you're doing. Like it, so like they have to be adaptive. But for fans, it makes it kind of fun. It gets get inventive. Get, we talked about this on the show a few times. They still they need to start micing these guys up. Turn that damn crowd music or noise down. I want to hear the shit talking. I loved it in the Dodger game the other night when you hear like what was it? Uh, uh Joe Kelly was like, what does he say? A nice swing, bitch. Yells at it. <laughs> what's his name? And then you know later on he was talking or something. And someone's like, get on the mound, motherfucker. Like it's like, oh, I like this. I want to hear more of that. I don't want to hear. <sighs> Clap, clap, clap. Some, you know, DJ in a booth. I want to hear the raw motion of these dudes. Like when, 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 uh, what I want to know what Javi and Willie were yelling against, you know, at the Reds the other day. I want to, I want to hear it. And they yeah. just crank Sunny Gray, Sunny Gray at Rizzo. Could Rizzo, uh, like leaned in and I hit by pitch in the first inning and after Joe the Kelly to the Astros. Yeah. So, uh, so what do you guys think about that suspension? Eight game for Joe Kelly. I think he's, well, he's, he'll appeal and he'll get busted down to four. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't throw at a dude's head. He didn't though. He threw like he was like five feet behind him. Like that's and not. I do, 
I do agree that it sends the wrong message that he got a worse punishment than the guys that got caught cheating. Mm-hmm. I mean, two games. I I think I think eight's a little excessive. I think two games would have been fine. It would have got your point across. Whatever. Um, I just hated the ex- at, at first. I said I was fine with it. Like, yeah, like, yeah, I, I don't. I, I mean, yeah, he didn't hit them, but he was trying to. Um, he was trying to hit him. If he wanted to hit him, he would have hit him. Let's be mm-hmm. honest here. I mean, that's true. But I, the, the whole like, sad face and the whole boo-hoo and all that shit. That was oh, yeah, the whole MLB saying, like, you know, he has a history and taunting. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> you're just going to suspend guys for taunting now? Yeah. And the other. That's weak. That's weak. I like bat, fly, bat flips podcast. are taunting, so. I'd like to be the first official podcast to wish Mike Trout, friend of the show, congratulations. Um, Mike's wife had their kid. He has been put on a paternity list, so he's going to take a couple games off to be with his family. Hopefully he comes back. Um, Sort to say, nickname for the kid, Zoe. Yep. Yeah, because we're tight. It's cool. I don't like to brag about it. but Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Wild, but we got baseball weekend jam pack. Uh, make sure you stay tuned with us. We're going to be doing probably another Sunday night show, maybe Monday. We'll see how it goes just to put a cap on the weekend's baseball. Uh, damn, Shane Bieber struck out five five of the nine twins the first time through the order. So, okay. Can you admit that you were a little wrong about the uh, Cleveland starting rotation? Yeah. I'll I'll take that one. They were better. The guys that I've never heard their name before were a little bit better than I thought. I will admit, I like knew I didn't know them either. But They're, they just know how to fucking develop. I think because of that episode of Lockdown Sox and Herb Lawrence, uh, he looked it up. I think like half their starting rotation right now because I think they're going with the six man. Yep. I think like half the guys that they drafted or half that rotation right now is from like the 2016 draft. So I just the please that game was just. Yeah mind-blowing to me because he was there was meat being thrown and guys were just i don't know it was weird 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 you know as i, I just saw a really good point and we talk about the seven double headers what does that do to sports books <laughs> right yeah that's your name i love that well they have to change the they can't do the five inning uh lines anymore they have to do like what the three inning lines for four uh-huh. inning lines <laughs> oh, all right. I want to close the show on this because I want to see what you guys think. So, Geo Stanton's doing what he's been doing. His he had a on Thursday night here. His first inning signal was one seventeen exit velo. Um, his third inning signal was one sixteen. So, dude's crushing the ball, right? He had the home run that was like one twenty one. Yeah, and he put it in a different atmosphere. So he's crushing the ball. He's playing great baseball. Yankees are rolling right now. But then I saw. Someone, one of the ESPN guys, I don't know if it was Chipper or one of them, said he's one of the players that would really benefit from playing in an empty stadium. And so when that was said, people on Twitter right away, from what I saw, were taking that as saying that he's kind of a mental midget and he can't take basically just people's yelling shit at him or whatever and without the crowd. I just thought that was crazy interesting. Like, does that really make that big of a difference? Like, yeah. I mean, there's energy that the fans give off energy. I mean, that's a lot of human beings in one place to push for. And I think guys, I think 
you're gonna like we, we've even talked about it here i mean that like a you darvish his he is he 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 sets himself on fire when something goes poorly like when right. something quirky happens in a game he doesn't he, i don't think he's a crowd issue but then there's other players that you know maybe they build off the crowd as well and so they're maybe not as sharp because they have that intensity they don't have the intensity of the crowd buzz but then there's also people that um that might be better off without it i mean have you ever been to a you know a, a world championship boxing match like a real big one you can you feel it when you walk in there it's electric there's a the heat there's energy there's you can cut it with a knife and they don't, that's not a pun that doesn't make sense when there's a good intense crowd and you know chicago fans are intense um but all you know baseball fans are passionate when I mean, you don't have that it's, it, it's weird but i think it does benefit some of the guys that are a little bit more mental midgets and i think that it really does affect the emotional players they've got to almost find energy somewhere else which is yeah. hard i mean or- is it that or is he is he just healthy now? Because I mean, he's been hurt for like a couple. I'm sure, it has something to do with him just being healthy now. But like, it was just weird how they phrased it. Like, oh yeah, he's really going to benefit from not having to deal with the crowd. You know what I mean? He got the big paper. He plays in the Bronx. A lot comes with that. And but now it's empty, and he's literally hitting the laces off balls. So That's I don't know. I just something to think about. It was weird. It's the. You know, there's maturity and there's pressure you put on yourself, and and I, I mean, think about think. Look at Chris Bryant. I mean, if Chris was struggling like this in front of a crowd, what do you think? I mean, he what is he two for twenty two? What do they think they're gonna do? What what would the crowd really be doing if Chicago was attending a game and Chris was two for twenty two? He'd be getting booed every time he walks back to the dugout in a place allegedly called the friendly confines. Not so right. friendly anymore when you struggle, um, and he doesn't have to deal with that. You, you as a player you could suck in a game and the only pressure you put on yourself is you and then your teammates and your ownership. You stay off social media. You'll never even know people are upset. Um, it's a completely, you're, you're in a weird, like isolated bubble away from some of that other stuff. So, I mean, it's good for the strugglers, I think maybe a little bit, mm-hmm. but it, you know, the emotional guys, it just does hurt a lot, but you know, as a hitter, eliminating one part of the equation makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, Christian Yellow just hitting .037, so the White Sox should definitely trade for him. Well, uh, because he's not in Milwaukee, he's not. Uh, he can't cheat right now. He's on the road. Oh, okay, that makes sense. All right, I'm not even. Joking. I know twelve strikeouts. Damn, Christian. All on the road. Wow, what a coincidence. Whoa. Here's a killer too, by the way. I think I mentioned it to you guys. And Chase and I, Chase and I were texting. He's texting me in the middle of the night after the Boston game, and he well, didn't he? He's he. I mean, he's. I mean, he 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 threw well. He played great, really, really good defense. His PFP was fantastic. He made two really nice plays: a glove flip and then a ball that um, that was knocked down by Alonzo. And then he went uh, chasing, didn't get caught napping. He went and recovered first. Bang bang play at first, but he texted me in the middle of the night, and I'm like, weird. He's like, yeah, we're on the way back to Boston. I'm like, why are you texting me from the airplane? That's strange, you know. And he's like, no, uh, major league organization, the New York Mets, and I'm not sure if this is everybody across the board after everything happened with the Marlins in, in Philly, um, they had to take a chartered bus from Boston to New York yeah. overnight in the middle of the night. Like that's, I mean, this is a major league, you know, billion dollar organization. And because of precautions, they're putting them on buses right now. I mean, I thought that was really interesting and in how, you know, those guys, that's a, that's not a creature comfort by any means. Was it the Mets? Yeah. Mets took a bus back from Boston to get back. Seems like it. a bad thing to do. <laughs> who, took him, uh, who took him yard? Uh, I forgot. It was a solo jack. Two, two innings pitched. He's given up one hit, one run, one earned run because it was one home run. Yep. 
Just barely went over that right center field, that little short gap in right field for at Fenway. That hey, like, who's the home run off? I forgot who it was. Oh, but he's rocking a four five ERA. He's got a nice point five zero whip. 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 Yeah, he's 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 happy. He he made a mistake. It was he left the ball a little bit up. It wasn't a bad pitch. The guy just drove it to the spot where, again, at Fenway, that that's like a two hundred. What is that? Like two ninety to right center there in that gap. Yeah. Kind of like juts out and it just it just slipped right over that little short wall too. Like if it was a normal height wall, it wouldn't have gone. Um, so before we sign okay. off, I ask, so what's your confidence level right now? Division. Division? Like win the division? Yes. Whew. Less than twenty percent. Okay. What was it before? What was it last Wednesday night? Or last Thursday, I guess. Before the season started? Yeah. Fifty. Okay. Okay. I the twins just look like a brick shit house, dude. I'm not messing with the twins right now. That lineup is just uh, second place in the division. I'm probably still about fifty to sixty percent. I still really don't sweat Cleveland. I think the mean will uh, suffice, but I don't know. One more injury to the rotation, and how worried are you? Very. Um, Unless a guy like Dane Dunning or Crochet or something can come up and surprise me, but there's really because man, that that depth went to. We were talking like when the announcement they were coming back, like man, the Sox got like eight guys who can start. To mm-hmm. Gio Gonzalez is ready in rotation, and he's your last guy before you have to call up rookies. Right. It was Xavier Bogarts that hit the home run off Jason. Yep. Yeah. 92 mile an hour forcing fastball to right center. Um, yeah, I mean, I got confidence in Dane Dunning. I think actually, I think Dane will be all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to sit here and still say, like, I'm super confident in this rotation after that first run through. I still think, um, they're going to be better, like we saw with Lucas. Six ERA pitcher. <laughs> I mean, we saw it with Lucas Giolito, you know, his second time through. He did what an ace does. He he stopped the bleeding. Um, if Dallas Keuchel stays the course and we continue to get Lewis, that's a great one, too. But then it – yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah a lot of question marks after that. Yeah. So that's why I've been harping so much on like maybe you give these kids a shot. Maybe man, up man, arm. if we could just combine the Cubs and Sox pitching staffs, that'd be, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be sick, dude. New new baseball rule this year. They're going to combine teams that are in the same city so they can eliminate travel. There you and go. Love it. Sixty man rosters. <laughs> like, we need to borrow Aaron Bummer for three straight games. Thank he you. Good on Wednesday. It's good. I mean, I think I think after this year he's gonna be closer. I think Colomay's gone after this year, and Bummer got the extension uh, in the winter. I think he's gonna be your closer. He's that guy's fucking good. Yeah. All right, boys. That's so all I got. Yep. Be on uh, the lookout. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Pinwheels Ivy Pod. Be on the lookout for a Sunday night, Monday night show. We're not sure what's gonna happen there. Um, or it explodes because Nick Magical still isn't up. It might happen. See, you say that you're not going to get mad, but I'm going to be mad. But like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to blow up anyone on Twitter. All right. I say that now. 
don't know. This we'll hopefully age as well. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'll there. save this clip. I'll save this clip too. But um, yeah, for Aldo, that's K Fids. I'm Zoe. Bring up Nick Madrigal. This is the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy.